This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This class is called Date Like a Pro Questions and Answers. Now, many of you I recognize faces, some of you I don't. But essentially, I do have a massive seminar, which we've given here in Arnava quite a few times and in many other communities. And at the end of these seminars that we give on dating specifically, there's usually like a whole long line of girls and they have a lot of questions. And then I tell everybody you could email me and I get like a gazillion emails and we don't get to get to all of them. So for tonight, I wanted to do something a little different. Instead of just a straight out class, how about if we took certain concepts which people often have a hard time digesting or understanding and hopefully we could bring out some rules and shed some light onto various issues within the dating world. Now, this is going to be a very open floor, so feel free, please, if you have any questions, to jump right in. And there's always the girl who has all the answers also. So if that's you, feel free to stand up and give your answers also. Um, but we definitely, I'm definitely encouraging some questions. Now, before we did this, I, I did go through, I have hundreds and hundreds of papers. Every time we give the seminar... I give out like a feedback form. And I say, you know, any questions or anything that was, you know, unclear that you want to focus on, let me know. And Baruch Hashem, over the short time that we've been doing this, those questions have gotten shorter and shorter and shorter, meaning people seem to come out with a lot of clarity, which is good. That's always the, the, the trick. However, there are certain things which some people, they don't want to hear in a seminar or it's not covered, etc., etc. So I did reach out to a bunch of people and I said to them, if you were asking questions about dating, what would you ask? So I compiled a bunch of things. And I'll start off the questions. We'll go through some questions. We'll go through some concepts, which I hope you'll be able to take away short, bite-sized messages to go home with. And then, if you have anything to say, please let me know. Okay, so I'll start off, and then we'll pass around the mic if anybody wants to jump in. But really, feel free to jump in. I'm, I'm counting on you, okay? Especially you. Okay, I see you have a lot to say. <laughs> okay, here we go. You ready? So the first question is like this, Okay. And this is a classic girl's question. The question is like this. The question is, I'm 21, 25, a little older, whatever the age may be. How do I, how am I myself? How do I, how do I give myself some chizuk on the fact that I got through high school, you know, blues, I went through seminary, and now here I am, I'm dating, my friends are getting married, they're all, you know, raising families and everything, and, and I'm not. Like, how do I deal with that? Okay, fair question? Yeah. I can't hear you. Yeah, nobody's going to see you in the questions. Nobody sees anything. They don't see you. I could hardly even hear you, so that's... <laughs> okay, so the question is, again, I'm going to repeat the question. The question is, I'm not 18 anymore... I'm not 19 anymore. How am I mechazik myself to the point where I'm able to walk around and be like, hey, what's up? My friend got engaged. I'm really happy for her. My friend had a baby. I'm really happy for her. And I'm not walking around sulking like, oh, I'm 24 already. And this is the worst day of my life because my friend had a baby. How do I get myself to that point? Okay, it's a fair question. So I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. It, it, the story closed today. The end of the story happened today. Okay, so it's a, it's a true story. just happened. Um, maybe I'll change one or two details just to protect the innocent, but this is a true story, okay? The story's like this. I have a client. I'm a CPA. During the day, I'm a, I have a client. And the client 
is worth a lot of money. Okay? I won't go through all the details. They're worth a lot of money. Tens of millions of dollars. Okay? And there was this court case that had to be dealt with by a certain attorney. And this attorney, we were texting and emailing and calling and everything. We weren't getting the time of day from this attorney. Nothing. Wasn't answering calls or emails or texts. And we kept going back and forth. We kept saying, hey, why are you not answering our call? Hey, why are you making appointments and then showing up six or ten or, you know, eight hours later or canceling six or eight hours later? Like, you're not giving us what we want. We want our money. We want you to close the case, etc., etc. And the, the attorney was not doing his job. Today, yesterday actually, yesterday, my client goes down to this huge firm in Manhattan. This guy is a big shot. He's worth a lot of money. He's a big partner in a huge 300-man firm, okay? And my client walks in, and they, they say, where's your boss? And the guy says, my boss is over there. They call over the boss. They say, you see this guy? Fire him. So the guy says, what? And he said, I want to show you a text from this guy. And the guy writes to my client, and he wrote this to me also. He writes, you think you're somebody? You're a nobody. I have clients that are much bigger than you. Now keep in mind, my client's worth tens of millions of dollars. Okay? You think you're a somebody? You're a nobody. I have clients worth way more than you are. You're a nothing. That's what he wrote there. So my client steps forward and says to this guy's boss, this guy, axe him. He's done. Okay? Here's the, here's the site. Here's the principle. Ready for the principle? Everyone wants to be happy, right? Everyone wants a lot of money, right? But certain things in our lives, what we want and how we get them are two completely separate things. Happiness is not something that you can wake up in the morning and force yourself to do. You can't. You can't get up in the morning and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a goal to be happy. Happiness is a result of something. Happiness is the result of something. If you have something, X, Y, blank, right? Then you feel happy. But if you're chasing happiness itself, then you're chasing an illusion. Money is the same thing like happiness. Everyone wants money, right? If I would say to you, do you want $10 million? I'm like, yeah, I want $10 million. When you go into business, if you're going into business because you want to make money, then you're making a tremendous mistake if your focus is going to be solely on making money. Why am I not making more money? Where's my money? Why didn't they give me a promotion? Don't they know I want money? I need money. Money is not the goal. The attainable, the short, sweet, attainable goal when it comes to money is service, is product, is, is competency, is skill, is professionalism. Those are attainable things. And I guarantee you, if you work really hard, you build up your skill, you give somebody service and product that they want, need, or desire, then you'll make a ton of money, right? The money is the byproduct of something else. Everyone gets married, they want to be happy. That's, that's not a goal. Happiness is not a goal. Yet, it's, it's something you want, so it seems like a goal, but it's an illusion. You can't grab it. As soon as you get there, you try to grab it, there's nothing to grab. Money and happiness are results of things. Results of other things that you can attain, that you can do on your own. This attorney 
who is a huge big shot in this firm, he sent me a text today and he wrote, I'm losing my job because of your client. And he was all upset about it. And I didn't answer him back. I said, well, okay, case closed, right? This guy was focused on telling everybody, I'm making a lot more money than you. You're a nobody. You're a nothing. I'm out to get another thing. He didn't understand. His goal when he wakes up in the morning is service. That's all your goal is. Pick up the phone, right? Pick up the phone. That's all you got to do. You send a text, send an email. Your goal is something attainable. And why do I say this? Because a lot of people want to get married. We all want to get married, right? So our goal is, I want to get married. It's really easy to get married, right? You grab a guy, you go into a chapel, you get married. It's, it, that's the easiest part of everything. But what's, if you use this principle, you recognize that awesome finds awesome. Right? The Gemara has a term, it's called matzah min esminai, which means a, one kind finds its other kind. Two halves become a whole, right? If you focus on yourself, you become awesome. You become more awesome. You focus on becoming a bigger, better person, more wholesome. Like, more, like, how do you give this up? It's just not possible. Then you get married to somebody who's awesome. But if your whole day is sitting there walking around going, no, it's not fear, right? So, so you're detracting from who you are as a viable candidate for awesome in the hopes that you are a bigger candidate for awesome. But you're not because you didn't do anything attainable to become more awesome. Does that make sense? A lot of people make this mistake. They, they, they spend their, their, their years from when they hit 20 they like, they're, they're crying at their birthday, like, oh, I'm already 20, right? They're so upset. And, and then like, 21 is like, don't even tell anybody your age anymore, right? That's what all women say, right? They say, how old are you? I'm 21 plus tax. That's what all women say, right? <laughs> because like, it's already too old after 21. It's a lie, right? It's a lie. If that is your whole day that you're going to walk through and say, it's, it's so bad, it's terrible, it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to be alone. I'm not minimizing that at all. But the goal that I try to impart with people is the idea that if you focus on becoming more awesome, somebody awesome is going to find you. But if you focus on getting somebody to like you, that's, that's an illusion. You're grasping at air, and it's very hard to put air into your hands. Does that make sense? Everything has its time. Kadesh Baruch Hu knows all of your names, numbers, he davens for you. Like He knows where you live. He'll find you. The idea is that if you focus on developing within yourself, like more, focus on more. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you need to turn to a friend and be like, how can I become something more than who I am right now? A friend, a rub, a sister, a mother, a grandmother. How do I become a bigger, better, more enticing like, version of who I am? When you do that, somebody awesome will grab you. Make sense? Okay. Any questions? Yeah. Okay, so your question is like this. Let me let me paraphrase you. Tell me if I got the question right. So your question is, if it was all up to me to find my soulmate, so then the power is all in my hand. However, since it's being delegated out to Shadchanim and friends, right? So in a certain sense, you're at their mercy, right? 
if they don't read you somebody for a week, then you don't have somebody. Whereas if you went to somewhere where there's a lot of eligible, really awesome guys, then on your own you could be like, hey, awesome guy, awesome guy, awesome guy, I got three, three dates in one night, <laughs> let's do this, right? So, so I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the answer. The answer is like this, is that in a certain sense, in a certain sense, the shidduch scene as we see it today is an evolution of thousands of years, right? Meaning, what we have today is not what they had 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. They did not. Everything is new. It evolved to this point. But, right, we do believe in evolution to a degree, right? In certain things, right? But when it comes to, to where we are today, it was not like this 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Definitely was not, right? For gazillions of reasons, right? And we could go through them tonight, but we'll be here till like 11 o'clock. So there's a lot of reasons for that. But there is a virtue, there's a value to the system that we have in place. And I'll tell you what it is. You ready for this, for this idea? The idea is, is that when we go through our shidduch system, you, ha- you have to remember that everyone knows their friend who calls them about like middle of Shavu Brachas and who's crying and who's like, oh, I made the biggest mistake of my life. Like everybody has that friend, right? But for every friend who does, no, you don't have that friend? <laughs> okay, Baruch Hashem, right? But, but for, for everybody who has that friend, all in all, what the shidduch system is there to do is to, is to vet the people who shouldn't even be near you, shouldn't even be wasting your time with them, to vet the people who they're either way this way or way that way, but they have nothing at all to do with you. And, and what the system is geared to do is to teach you that when you look at, at, a, at a resume, right, what you're essentially doing is you're saying, on paper, does, does this look like potential? Does this look like this is something which... In, Five years from now, I'm going to get the greatest benefit of my life being married to this person. The other system that you're referring to doesn't do that. Doesn't do that. And it's an interesting thing that I deal with hundreds of couples. And I notice that a lot of couples who, before they got married, they knew each other, they were in love since they're 11 years old, and they're neighbors, and this and that. It seems like fun and games does while they're in their teens, Right? They all have this roller coaster where we loved each other, we hate each other. I'm not talking to you. I can't wait to marry you. They go swinging back and forth and back and forth, right? And I know I'm generalizing, but they very often marriages that are built outside of a framework of a little bit of altruism. We are like, I, I like you before I even see you because you're truly a nice person. And not that I'm going out with you because you're so cute or because you, I love your hair or I, you have such a great car. Because that is very blinding. That's not showing you what you're going to get home, you know, walk home to in five years from now and two or three kids later. It's not showing that to you. So our system is not a perfect system and no system is. But somebody once told me a great idea. He said, if you want to change the system, first make yourself a part of the system. Nobody's listening to you if you're outside that system. Right? It works with everything. Right? People, when it comes to chinuch, when it comes to everything, people are like outside the system trying to change the system. No one in the system is listening to you. Right? But if you're in the system and you modify things, you say, this is what works better for me. I want to go on a different type of shidduch dating experience. Great, wonderful. It's, it, it will work for you. But the idea, our system has value. It does. It has a lot of value. And that value, a lot of the time... It simply, it gets away the people who are, they shouldn't even, they should, you shouldn't even be spending your time with them. And it gets, it gets the right people in the door. 
Now, if you say, but wait a minute, but it's not getting anybody in the door, so then you've got to get out there to the people who can push this. It's very funny. I, I, I really don't deal with, sh- sh- with Shaddachim a lot at all. I don't. I deal with everything after that, or even before that, but not actual Shaddachim. I don't make any Shaddachim. One, but I really, I, I generally don't. <laughs> Just something to know. So, but, but I get calls from a ton of Shadchanim. And all the Shadchanim who deal with the girls, they say, we're all the guys. And all the ones who deal with the guys, they say, we're all the girls. And a lot of times I'm like, wait a minute, I know somebody you could call. <laughs> you got to call the, the Shadchan who deals with the girls, to the Shadchan who deals with the guys. There's a lot of people out there, right? And you'll find the right one. But the system has a lot of value to what it does. It teaches you long term. It teaches you then the short term. I mean, it, instead of putting the cart before the horse, instead of being swooned by so many things which mean nothing, where it's not going to really make you happier in a few years, it's a, it's a good it's a good system to have in place. Not perfect. It's not perfect. If it was perfect, everyone would be married, right? It's not perfect, but but it has value to what it brings to the table. Make sense? You had a question? Ask, ask. I see you're asking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. New question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here's your question. I'm going to paraphrase your question. So I'm going to just back this up for one second, right? And I'm going to say what you just said. You said, I was never on a date. So I'm going to ask this question, right? So, so, so people who have been... Okay, so the question is like this. The question is, I've never been on a date, but how do you know when you're on a date that this is the right person, something to proceed and go forward with, right? That's essentially your question. So it's a great question. It, it is a very good question, and a lot of times that question gets, gets changed. And I'm going to explain to you what I mean, right? A lot of times I deal with, with cosmos. And they call me up, they say, hi, I got your number from so-and-so, usually the last name is Wallerstein, right? and they say, or whoever it is, and they say, and I, I really need to speak to you. And I say, oh, what, like, what's going on? And you know what they say? I don't know. I'm like, no, I mean, that's seriously. They say, I, I don't know. And I'm like, what's wrong? They're like, my marriage is terrible. I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what's going on. That's, that's what they say. And a lot of times I'll sit down with a couple and I'll say, so, like, what's going on? I don't know. It's, it's just bad. I don't know. That's what they say. Really, they say that. I don't know. Now, I want to explain an idea, okay? Let's, let's use business as an analogy, right? Or, or school. Let's use school, right? Let's use schoolwork as an analogy. So you're, you're going through chemistry, whatever. Chem, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. You're going through chemistry, chemistry class, right? And it comes towards the end, and the teacher calls you over and says to you, um, Rifki, I'm sorry to tell you, you're failing chemistry. You're going to flunk this semester. You're going to have to take the whole thing again. You're like, what? I'm flunking? Why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just don't know. Rifki, sorry. Just, I don't know. Right? What are you going to say to him? You don't know? <laughs> you better know. Right? What do you mean I'm flunking this semester? Right? In business, it's the same way. A lot of people, you say to them, what's going on with your business? I don't know. It's not good. It's not good. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know is 30,000 feet. 30,000 feet is nothing. You know what it's like? It's like when somebody says to somebody else, I'm going to marry you and I'll do anything for you. You know what anything for you means? Zero. It means nothing. 
Anything for you is the world, but it means nothing. There's nothing specific. I like to talk about short attainable, right? Goals, short attainable things that you're able to do. If there's nothing short attainable, then it's just broad and nothing. When it comes to a shidduch, it's, it's, it's like a business in the sense that I don't know, just simply means that you better find out. Meaning, is your back door open and people are stealing your merchandise? Is your secretary not answering the phone? Is your salesman not doing his job? Do you not have a good accountant? Like, like which part is not good? And if you don't know, you speak to somebody who can break it down for you. Who can break it down for you so then you can start to gain clarity. There's nothing in the world like clarity. Clarity is, you, you go on a day and you're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But you sit down with somebody who says to you, okay, walk me through the date. And they start talking, start talking. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, hold on. So that's the problem. You're like, no, that's not the problem. No, that's the problem. The problem is X, Y, or Z. Now, once you know a problem, now you can focus on a solution. Because the problem, the, the, the solution to I don't know is I know. I know something. I at least know what the problem is. If you don't know what the problem is, there's no way you're going to find the solution. Because you just don't know. If your chemistry teacher is telling you, I don't know why you're failing, so what are you going to say? I guess I'll do things a little better. What are you doing better? What are you doing wrong? Maybe you're in the wrong class. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you don't even know where, like, what's going on, it's very hard to focus on a solution. Clarity is key. When you focus on finding out, and very often people who go through the dating parsha, they go through exactly like you're saying. They, they say, this is their question, I've dated before, not I haven't, I, I, I've dated before, and I'm going out with this guy, and I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't know, right? And the, the key is to get the I don't know to I know. And a lot of times people call me up, let's say in the morning, and usually when I meet with couples, I meet or singles, I meet with them like at 10 o'clock at night. That's my slot, 10 to 11.30. And I tell them, they call me up during the day and I say, hi, I want to meet with you. I say, great, come in, come next week, whenever, right? By the way, when you come in, change I don't know to I know. That's all you got to do. Go, go on a date with yourself. Relive whatever's going on, right? If you're, if you're married, you don't know, you're married 10 years, you don't know anything that's going wrong. Once you can start focusing on I do know, now there's what to talk about. Now we can start focusing on solution. Or at least we could have clarity and this guy's not for you because X, Y, or Z. You hear? I don't know. Change it over to I do know and it'll solve a lot of problems in your life. And sometimes you need somebody to help you. Sometimes you need, you know, somebody who's able to give you that guidance who says like, no, something's totally off over here. And a lot of times it's like, why do you even go out with this guy? I can't tell you how many times I said that. Like, why are you guys even dating? Like, it's so, so off the wall, this stuff. Like, like what, is, what is going on over here? Like, you and you should not even be, shouldn't even be friends, shouldn't even be neighbors. Like, you guys don't even belong in the same city. Like, like, definitely not marrying each other. Like, that's definitely not. And then it's like, oh, oh, okay, there's some clarity here. And a lot of times it's because of X, Y, or Z. Clarity in life, there's nothing, there, there's nothing, right? Ain Simcha, I think if it's brought down, Ain Simcha Kibrira Sasafik. Like, there's no happiness to like clarity. When you, when you know something, it's, it's just amazing. When you don't know, no. Find out. Find out what the problem is and then it'll be much easier to find the solution. Yeah? I love this question. Like, what do you like, think of? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so <laughs> I love that question. Okay, so here's the question. And I, I had a similar question from somebody. Um, and I love the question. The question is like this. The question is... Okay, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back, okay? Your question is, what is marriage? That's, that's a big question, right? Now, I'm going to add a question to your question, if you're, if you're okay with it. If not, then I won't. Your question is, your question is, what is marriage? Second question is, if I'm single, this is how it was asked to me, okay? If I'm single, at what point should I be studying, learning about marriage, asking questions, reading books, watching seminars, talking to people? Like, like how, does, how does that work? I'm, I'm single, like, should I wait till I'm married and then, like, start then? Should I wait till there's problems and then start then? Or should, like, I start today? Or, like, maybe I'll never need anybody's assistance or help? Like, how does that work? So we'll define... Okay, so you're okay with, with me adding on a question? Okay, thank you. So we're going we're gonna to do this together, okay? What is marriage? And then if I'm a single girl, at what point in my illustrious career is it appropriate for me to start understanding this kind of stuff. So there's so many layers here, and I'm, I'm going to try to tackle a few, okay? The first one is like this. And again, I said this in the beginning. I'm going to say it again. If, if anybody has any, anything you want to contribute, feel free. Stand up, and we'll give you the floor. Really, okay? So there's, there's a couple of things here that I want to throw out there. Number one is like this. It's very rare for somebody to be successful in any area of life without having a clear vision or goal for what success looks like. Very, very rare, right? You, you don't find a guy, probably from the days when they discovered the wheel, right, that, who, who wakes up in the morning who says, you know what I figured out last night? How to build a computer from twigs, right? And it's going to be solar powered, and it's also going to drive you to work. That very rarely happens, right? People don't just happen upon things. The guy who invented the wheel probably got things going and then was like, hey, <laughs> look at this funny looking thing. It rolls, right? Like when you put two and two together because you knew that you're trying to attain four, that is usually how you get to success. A lot of times there's failure along the way, but success is usually bred by having a clear goal and a vision. So for that reason, I'm going to address my side of the question first. I... I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that from the youngest age, see, really what I believe is that when you're growing up, you're starting to learn about marriage. When you're growing up, you're starting to learn about chinuch. You don't realize it. But everybody at a certain stage, or let me rephrase that, some people at some stages of their life try to run away from their parents in the sense like, I'm never going to be like my mother, I'm never going to be like my father, I don't, I'm not going to be like my siblings, I'm, very unique, I'm very different, look at the glasses I'm wearing, like totally, no one in the world has ever done this before, right? And then we wake up when we're a certain age, and we go, oh my gosh, that's my mother looking back at me from the mirror. I became my mom, right? We, we all do that. And we, we run and run, and then we realize like, eh. <laughs> and then we start to realize like, they're not so crazy. There's a lot to what they did that has a lot of virtue. Your mother had this little idiosyncrasy, and it was good because it kept the house running the way that it needed to run. And there's a lot of these, these things throughout our life that happen. When you're young, you learn what chinuch is, right? When your father's like, 
like like smacking you, like look inside the sitter and or or go run a million miles or go draw this, or whatever. You learn that's how a parent relates to a child. And what's more is that you learn that that's a behavior that's acceptable, not only for me as a child, but as, for for an adult to do. When you see your father acting in a different way, you say, hey. I am where I am today, but that's something to strive for and to become. And a lot of people, their concept of marriage is really gleaned by observing our parents. We, we, we grow up and we see that's how a husband talks to a wife. That's how a family runs. This is what a Shabbos table looks like. This is, right? We start to see, and a lot of times we don't even realize it, but it just becomes part of us. And a lot of couples, they get married, and then two, three, four months later, they're having a terrible time. It's like, what's wrong? And first they say, I don't know, very good, right? And then when you start talking to them, you start to realize that what it is is that they each have a concept of what marriage is supposed to look like. And she's like, he doesn't say the word Torah, he doesn't sing, he's half sleeping, half drunk, whatever, you know, on Shabbos afternoon, the whole afternoon. And he's like, that's what I saw growing up in my house. Like, what do you expect? And she's like, I didn't see that. I saw something totally different. So initially, we start to glean that information from there. However, I, I am a firm believer that, again, in this generation, where we are today, we are very, very, very detail-oriented about most things in our life. Much more so than they were in previous generations. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a whole schmooze which we could talk about for a million years. But, but 30 years ago, nobody, like, if you owned a house and a car, you were very happy, right? Today, it's like if, you're, if, if your friend got the newest iPhone, iPad, before you do, you, like, we're like, we feel like we're homeless, right? We, we, we're much more detail-oriented, much more sophisticated in a lot of the things that we do. Right? 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when somebody wanted their makeup done for a wedding, right? They did it or their sister did it, right? Today you go on Instagram, you're like, who's like the best one, right? Who's the best one who does makeup for a wedding? And you're like, I need to book her to make sure. What? Yeah, because every part of our lives have become like that and they've become, and they, it's, it's even faster. It's becoming more and more like that, right? Am I correct? That's, that's the society, at least that we live in to a very long degree. And therefore, I would posit that it's not simple enough to just be like, well, I saw my parents, I'll wing it and things are going to be good. Most things in life that you want to be successful at, you're not going to wing. Most things you want to be successful at, you're going to find out what it is. So now comes your question. The question is, now that I want to know what a marriage is, what is marriage? <laughs> like, what is this all about? So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I believe marriage to be. You ready? I believe that it's, it's, it's a, again, many layers, but I'll throw out a couple of things here and hopefully we can have some short, attainable goals that we can take home, okay? The, the idea is like this. Marriage starts with people. Marriage starts with people. A lot of people think marriage is like a psych ward in the sense that they, they plan on going in with like a, a lot of craziness and they become both the doctor and the patient, right? They come in and a lot of people come to my house and they go, my status is certifiably nuts. They're totally crazy, Right? I'm like, oh, really? Like, do you have a PhD in mental health? And they go, I might when this is all done, right? Because they're, they're like super convinced that their spouse is crazy or they have their own idiosyncrasies. Marriage starts with people. If you are a healthy person, again, you'll probably find somebody who's like-minded, right? Hopefully. But aside from that, if you're a healthy person, chances are you'll have a healthy marriage. It starts with healthy people. And everyone uses the term... 
um, um, Midos. If you're if you're about Midos or like the like what had, it had like a twenty year run where they said you have to just be mavater. Like if you know how to just give into everything, then you'll be okay. Which I don't believe to be the case. I don't think if you give into everything, you'll be okay. I think you'll be walked on by a lot of people. But that's if you start as yourself as a person, you work on building yourself up. That's where it starts. The second thing is like this, and this is an idea which I want to throw out there, and I think it's it's a very powerful concept. Okay, you ready for this idea? Idea is like this. Let's look at this from a therapeutic angle. Let's use, let's throw in therapy for a second. Okay, so most things when it comes to therapy are are like a sore mira. They're trying to remove something bad from your life. It's an addiction. It's abuse. It's trauma. Um, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's, right? That, grief, machlekas, arguments, right? In many areas of our life, that's what people are dealing with. And therefore, they go to somebody who, who's able to help them, who says to them, okay, I'm going to remove the bad from your life, and then everything will be good, right? If you're addicted to cocaine, put you in a, in a rehab center, they take it away from you, they teach you how to deal without it, you walk out the front door and you're like, woo, I'm free as a bird. Now, five years before, you were also, woo, free as a bird. Right? So what happened? You had some negativity in your life, they remove it, and now everything's wonderful. Marriage is not like that. Marriage is unlike most forms of therapy in the sense that marriage is proactive. And marriage, I'm going to say that again, marriage is proactive. It's not reactive. A lot of people think it's reactive. My spouse gets angry, I get angry. I learn how to fight back. No, that's not marriage. Right? Because then if I just pull your spouse out of the equation, then where are you? You ain't married. Right? You're not married anymore. Marriage is not about removing bad. Marriage is about putting in a whole lot of good. And the idea for marriage that I like summing it up, like the elevator pitch of marriage, is Kesha. Marriage is Kesha. Kesha means, A, I'm connected to myself. I know myself. I'm, I'm not just like, up in the clouds, how are you? Bar Hashem, Bar Hashem. Like, I really know myself. Like, as an individual, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, I know my triggers, I know what I gotta work on, and I'm working on it. And I know the things that I don't need in my life, and I'm trying to remove them. And then, when I come into marriage as wholesome as I can, I turn to somebody else and I say to them, hey, I'm gonna do all this work that I just did with myself for the last 24 years, and I'm gonna go do that with you. And then, I'm gonna give to you unconditionally without expecting anything in return. And then I'm going to develop the most amazing thing in the world called love. Yeah? That's marriage. It's hard. It's hard work. It's, it's, it's being fully zoned in to somebody else, what they need, and it's about me giving to them. Not in an, in, in an abusive sense, not that they're taking advantage of you, in a wholesome sense. Two people who are committed to this. Every time I sit with a couple... I tell them like this. I say, listen, you want to work with me? This is how I work. I'll, I'll tell you what you need to be doing in your marriage different. Whether it's taking things out, whether it's putting things in, whatever it is. Right? But in order for this to happen, you need to send me every night an email that delineates what you did for your spouse. So it could be two, three, four things a day that you say, I did this for my spouse because I know that this is something specific that my spouse wants needs, desires, that they want from me, and I did it without expecting anything in return. The couples that sign up to that, tremendously successful. Because it's a constant learning of an amazing behavior of giving to somebody else 
without expecting anything in return. That's marriage. That's marriage. It's hard work. Yeah, but I don't want to sum it up in just giving. The, I think the harder part, I think the harder part is, is, is that concept of kasha. Is the concept of, I really truly know what you want. Right? If I walk over to you, I'm like, here, I just brought you a chair. You're like, I'm sitting on one. Thank you so much, right? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really giving to you. I don't know. I don't want anything in return. It's like, really nice. Thank you. It does nothing for me. Right? It, it's a true understanding, and especially on an emotional sense, what a person needs. It's very hard. It really is. It's very hard. Many people go through a, a stage after they get married of really learning themselves of really learning themselves what they need because they start to feel lacking. They say, wait, I signed up for Kesha. I signed up for marriage. I'm not getting any of that. I'm just getting like a chair when I'm sitting on a chair. I'm just getting a spoon when I'm eating cereal. I'm already eating the cereal with a spoon. What is my spouse doing? They're not giving me anything. Giving somebody what they truly want is one of the hardest things in life because we don't do it with ourselves enough. Meaning we don't focus enough with ourselves and say, what do I need? What makes me unique, right? Everyone in this room is like OT or PT, right? And like one person in the middle who's, I'm a writer, right? <laughs> like that's like every group, right? On paper, everyone is very similar. When it comes down to it and you break it down to its components, you realize that that element of marriage is one of the hardest things in the world. And a lot of times when I give the, the dating seminar, a lot of the mothers come over and they're like, we got to talk. Because they realize that, that, that their concept of what they thought marriage was is a little different than what they have 20, 30 years later. I think... Right. Struggling at the same area? Okay, so, so your question is like this. Let me rephrase the question for you, okay? For, for the, no, 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 no. Let me, let me say it for you. I, I'm repeating it. I'm just repeating it for the camera, okay? So the idea is like this. Your question is, is it true, is it true that if I have a weakness or something that I need to work on, I should try to find somebody who doesn't necessarily struggle with that specific thing? So this way we're both... Like if I'm stupid at math. I'm dumb. I, don't, I, I can't add anything. Two plus two is chicken, right? I don't know what's flying. I shouldn't marry a guy who's two plus two is chicken because like... We're going to have a lot of chicken, but no numbers, right? So, so if that's what you're saying, if that's what you're saying, 100%, that definitely will help you. But, but the concept of opposites attract in, in relationships and marriage is, is, is a lot broader than that. It, it's a lot, we could talk about that for like an hour, but yeah, it's a lot broader than that. But certainly, you're going to try to find somebody, in a certain sense, marriage is a puzzle piece. It's not two perfect people walking in and going, I'm perfect, you're perfect, we're all perfect. Marriage is, to a certain degree, people completing each other, Exactly like you're saying. I bring a certain element to the table which the spouse doesn't bring and the spouse does the exact same thing to you. 100%. There's a definitely an element there. Right? Does that make sense? Awesome. Yeah, what were you going to say? To, 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 to go out? Okay, so your, so your question is... Let me rephrase your question. Let me repeat your question back to you, okay? Your question is... Your, this is your question. Your question is, if 
an important element within dating is that I know myself and I've been working on myself, whatever that means, right? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> that, what does that mean, right? I don't know, right? What does that mean? So, so I'll tell you the answer. The answer is like this. I want you to imagine you're going on a date, okay? And I like to say to you, I want you to think of 20, so it's a lot, 20 questions which are beneath the surface questions. Meaning, don't ask the person, where do you shop? Right? Don't ask the person, what, 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 what flavor of soda do you like? That's above the surface, right? Ask the person a question that most people would not know the answer to, okay? So, so that would be homework, okay? So now, I'll tell you, I'm going to give you a week to do that, and a week from now, I want you to come back with that paper, okay? So you're holding a paper in your hand, it's got 20 questions, right? So now, I tell you, okay, there's a place in Brooklyn called Caesars Bay. You're familiar with Caesars Bay? Okay, down by the water? Okay, I want you to go to Caesars Bay with that paper, okay? And I want you to answer each one of those, okay? We, we date the whole world, but we forget to date ourselves, right? If, you, if, you're not, if you're not dating yourself, if you're not walking into the date understanding who you are, then how are you going to allow somebody else in? Probably not, right? As soon as something gets uncomfortable, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know I'm insecure about that. He's talking about my mother. Like, hold on, we don't talk about my mother, right? As soon as that element hits, it's like, it's a surprise for us. Shouldn't be a surprise. The Avaida, the, 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 the goal now, again, I'm going to say it again, the short attainable goal at this stage is to do that with yourself so that you know I'm working on developing within my own life something that is so awesome. And when you hit those speed bumps, meaning you ask yourself a question. I'll ask you a question. You ready? Here's one of the questions. I'll start off your list for you. What's your biggest insecurity? Okay? That's a tough question. No, I'm not insecure. I'm not. Because you're answering then above the line. If you can answer that question honestly, right? What's the most difficult thing for you to do? What makes you very angry? You hear? These are tough questions. We don't like ask, asking these questions. We definitely don't like answering these questions. But when you do it, and I'm not telling you to do a whole therapy session, you're going to be like one of these people sitting on the bench talking to yourself. Don't do that. Right? Don't do that. But, but it, it's a process. Don't, don't go on an eight-hour date sitting in the lounge, keep ordering, reordering drinks, because, because, you're, because you're, you're asking yourself these questions. Go through the process slowly. But start to learn yourself a lot more, and then you start to take on well, I realize this about myself. Let me try to perfect this as best as I can. Let me try to get guidance for the things that are difficult for me. Let me try to get a rub in my life for the things that I need. Let me, you understand? A hundred percent. To a degree. Meaning people a lot of times date and then they realize while they're dating like, whoa, I should never be doing this. Every time I've given a, a, the date like a pro seminar, every single time, there has been at least one, but sometimes it was multiple girls who either approached me or afterwards on the phone, email, whatever, who wrote, I can't believe it. I'm not ready to date. Not ready. Because now the, the seminar is built on that concept that that's what marriage is. So if that's a marriage, just now you're looking inside. Now you start to realize, like, wait a minute. Like, these are real pointed questions. And when I give the seminar, a lot of times I say, all these questions you're about to hear, you're going to hear like 75 questions you could ask somebody on a date. Before you ask them, ask yourself. Right? And that's when everybody's like, oh, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do now? Like, how do I deal with that answer? That's where it's tough. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. 
Your, yeah, your question is, these questions should be asked before you go on a date. The answer is yes, 100%. So that's what we were saying. Before you even go out with somebody, you should be able to do that because part of the development of a person before they're married is to be able to go through that, not cleansing process, but the process of developing yourself, self-development. That sounds healthy, right? Self-development. Awesome. Yeah. Such as what? Give me an example. So, okay. So, it's a great example. But for you, it just doesn't work. Okay, so I'm a big believer in trying to mitigate problems as much as we could, right? So, yeah, meaning to a degree, to a degree, I'm a big believer in marriage education. That's what I preach, that's what I live, that's what I do, 100%. But, but, it's a big but, okay? There's hashkacha pratas. And a lot of times, things that we think set in stone, there's no way in the world that this is going to happen, it happens, right? There's a, a Rav who I know very well. He told me an awesome story. He said that there was a guy who was going out, and he said to the guy, tell me what you're looking for. And the guy said, I'll tell you what I am not looking for. I am not looking for no red-headed girls. If this girl has red hair, it's not for me. I can't stand red-headed girls. No red-headed girls. Unless you're red-headed, then of course you want red. But then it was blue, whatever, right? But he, he, this guy didn't want red-headed girls. So, okay. It comes the night of the day, and the guy calls up his rub, and he says, my parents are out of town. I really want to be picked up from somewhere, like, established. Can I... Can, we meet at your house and then leave from your house. Fine. Comes, the guy walks in, the girl walks in, girl's flaming red hair. <laughs> flaming red hair. Right? So the guy, the, the, the Revitson, who knew the story, she turns to her husband, she says, it's over. He, they're not even going to go, they're not even going to get to the lounge. He's going to drop her off, tell her to take a cab home. That's his one hakpad. He's, he's mocked on this. And, and the Rev said, don't say a word. They come back from the date and he says, how was the date? So he says, oh, so good, so nice, palos midos. What an amazing, amazing girl. Okay. He tells his wife, don't say a word. They go out another time, third time. At like the fourth date, things are starting to heat up. He turns to the guy and he says, like, can I ask you a funny question? What color hair does the girl have again? Like, I can't remember. Just remind me what color hair. He's like, it's a little auburn, a little blondish, with like a streak of black. (laughs) (laughs) Convinced. Right? <laughs> a lot of times the things that we're so sure on, don't be so sure. I agree. I agree. There's a, there, definitely. Things that will cause long-term problems, I agree 100%. And I'm not a smoker, and I'm very anti-smoking, and I agree 100%. And there are things which will cause major long-term shalom bias problems. But at the same time, if off the bat you have a choice between somebody, meaning if for you that's, if for you, that's a deal-breaker, I would say yes. I like to give general rules in like open forums with the thing, so I'm not going to say that that should be, be a deal breaker. But I will tell you that if for somebody has on such a level a hakpada, something where they feel there's no way this is going to work for me, then I want you to know, yeah, that you probably shouldn't go into a relationship where you're going to have a really hard time. But again, you, a lot of times I'm a big fan of, of taking a picture in its totality. And then you see... Right? A lot of people go in, I don't want a guy who's working, I want a guy who wears a suit, or I don't want a guy who wears a suit, I want a guy who's wearing you know, working boots, he can roll up his sleeves, or I want a guy... And a lot of times you become a lot more flexible than you think. 
and you see beautiful, beautiful marriages that were built on flexibility. And if you have that element, things will be really good. That's why I don't want to tell you a general rule, but yeah, a rule is a, a good rule is be flexible, and you'll see you'll see things will go really, really well for you. Right. So what's the question? Oh, you're throwing that out there. Okay, right. So you bring up a good point. That a lot of times people, when they're young, they have 100%. I believe, I'll add to... Right, or maybe she wanted him learning 10 years ago, but today he better be working already. Right. I agree, 100%. I'm a big believer, adding to what you're saying, I'm a big believer that not just... At a certain stage do you do that, but really after each date you sit down and you do that. Meaning you, we come in all altruistic. What are you looking for? A guy who's loaded and gorgeous and, you know, a car and he could drive and he's working but he knows how to learn and, right, he's like the next God of Ladar, but he's also the next CEO. Like we have like our bucket list, right? And then we go out with the guy once and we're like, okay, he's, he's not such a CEO, he's not such a Rosh Hashiva, his shoes don't match, his pants, and his, but you know what, but he's nice, right? We start to like tweak things around, and we're like, okay, I, if he gets new shoes, I could handle it, but definitely not with that car. We start to change things up, and that's, that's a healthy involvement. That's the flexibility, I think, that's super important in that, okay? I want to close with one concept. We're good? Anybody else have any, like, need-to-know questions? No? We'll talk, we'll talk after, okay? Let me throw out one last idea because it's already very late. The idea is like this, is that there's a Mishnah, the famous, famous, famous Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, which is one of the most inquisitive Mishnahs in all of Pirkei Avos. The Mishnah says, the Asara Ma'amareis Nivra Ha'elam, the world was created in ten utterances, right? Hashem created the world in ten utterances, Bereshis, Vayemir Lekem, Vayemir Lekem, Vayemir Lekem, all the ten utterances of Bereshis. And the Mishnah says, it could have been, it could have all been created in one utterance. But why is it created in ten utterances? To give schar to the tzaddikim and to exact punishment from the rishon. That's what the Mishnah says. To give reward to the tzaddikim and to take punishment from the rishon because they either build or destroy a world that was created in ten utterances. So every time I learn this Mishnah, I'm like, huh? It makes no sense, right? It's like saying, you broke my chair. How much was your chair? Well, I could have paid $2 for it. But you know what I paid for this? $10,000. Yeah, why, why do you pay $10,000 for it? I only broke a $2 chair. No, but I paid $10,000. Okay, but this one is $2. So why did you pay $10,000? Right, the mission says, Hashem created the world in 10 utterances, and He could have done it in one, but He did it in 10. So if you destroy the world, you destroy the 10 mimer world. And if you build a world, you build a world of 10 mimer. You just told me it could be it could be one. How much does this cost? It costs one or it costs ten? You hear the question? Yeah? See here's the idea. I want to tell you Mahshava. It's gonna bring out the inner accountant to me. It's 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 a, it's an it's an accounting concept. So I want you to listen to this idea. In accounting there's a concept, something called LCM. I'll explain this idea like this. Okay? In in nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. There were two major league baseball players who are going for the home run title. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. I don't know if anybody here was born then, anybody here remembers then, but I was a little kid and it was like the biggest thing in the whole world. They were going to break the title which had stood since like the 1960s with uh, Roger Maris. It was like a huge, huge deal. And they knew that the, that the home run ball... What? Not Roger Maris? No? 
they knew that the home run ball that was going to break the record was going to be worth like millions of dollars. They knew that. So what they used to do whenever he got up to hit, they used to mark the ball with like a, a specific substance so that whoever catches the ball will, won't like put it in one pocket and pull out another ball and say, oh, here's the ball because they knew it was going to be worth so much money. Okay. Vayhi Hayayim comes the day, he gets up to bat and he hits the ball. The ball was flying and it goes into a very specific location in the park where it was very hard to get to that ball. It was like between the stands and it was very hard to get to it. So one of the groundskeepers, he knew how to get there and he goes running around and he picks up the ball. Okay? And then he goes ahead and he, out of the goodness of his heart, he wants to go ahead and he gives the ball to Mark McGuire. He says, here you go, you hit this ball, you just hit, broke the record, the ball is yours, here you go. Put it in the Hall of Fame, this, this ball is going to be worth millions of dollars, it's yours. It's yours. Okay? Now, at the IRS, there was this tumult. And the tumult went like this. It said, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you pick up a ball, that's called taxable income, right? If you gift it away, that's not deductible. This guy picked up a ball that's worth $3 million. He just gifted it away. That's not a deduction. Let's hit this guy with a nice tax bill, okay? And there were people who said this. Now, hold on one second. This guy... He's holding a ball. How much is a ball worth? $7, $8? You go to a, a baseball game, how much does a ball cost? $10 maximum? So how much was that ball cost? And I'll tell you the answer. The answer is as follows. Is that you can hold a ball in your hand that was hit and it broke the record and it's like it's going to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame and it's going to be preserved for all time. And you can go home and you can play catch with your little kid, with your brother, throw it on the floor, throw it to your dog, throw it in the pool, because you value that ball to be $8. Or you can stand there and recognize that you're holding $3 million in the palm of your hand. And what I believe the mission is telling us is this exact concept, is that in the world, you can either treat the world as a connection to Hashem, this amazing ability that we have to daven, to learn, to develop, to marry, to build the most amazing things in the world, you can value that at 10 ma'amarim, 10 utterances. Every part of the world is unique and it was created for me and for you to develop. Or you could treat it as nothing. And Hashem says, the biggest reward is for somebody who values a $3 million ball as a $3 million ball. But you know what the biggest punishment for somebody is? When somebody grabs a guy and says, you idiot, you're holding a $3 million ball and you're throwing it to your dog? Are you crazy? The punishment is the valuation. The valuation is, what are you holding in your hand? Marriage is so similar. A lot of people that get married, and, and the concept of LCM is the idea of it's, you value things very often at the lower of the cost. What did it cost? $8. Or the market value. The market value is $3 million. And a lot of people when it comes to marriage, they, they have this LCM mentality. Meaning, they get married for the looks, or for the car, he's so cute, and he makes me feel so good. But they're not hopping. Five years down the road, you're waking up to this guy. Ten years down the road, this guy's either learning with your son, or he's falling asleep at the Shabbos table. Thirty years down the road, you're either celebrating the 30th anniversary with your grandchildren, or you're looking across the table and going, Oh my God Almighty, I'm stuck with you. Understand? There's a valuation. You're at the stage right now right now, where when you build awesome, awesome finds awesome. 
When you build in yourself the amazing person who you are and you bring out that personality, somebody awesome will find you. But when you're, so, you're sulking, and let's go back to our first thing. If, if you're grasping at ear, I just want happiness, I just want marriage, I, just, you're gra- I want money. Instead of saying, what is, what's my short attainable goal? If I want money, I need service, I need product, I need skill, I need professionalism. If, if I want marriage, I need to be awesome. I need to self-develop. Two people who self-develop will have an amazing, amazing marriage. And everybody here should know, when it's your time, it's your time. You should find your basharit, bashar, teva, masachas. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.